Hi, I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. Everybody ready to jump into the word? <laughs> and uh, how good was worship this morning? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, because my message is on worship this morning. Oh, transformational worship is what I want to talk about this morning. Because how many people know that worship can change things? <laughs> that worship is meant to change things. Our engagement in worship is meant to change not only us, but the world around us. Come on. Thank you. One person is excited. That's all I need. <laughs> I can work with that. <clears throat> that worship is a powerful weapon in the mouths of the saints. And, and Ben actually preached the first few minutes of my message uh, in, in the transition out of worship. But <clears throat> we are creating a place for God to come and dwell and to rest and feel comfortable and be invited. That, that Leviticus 26, 12, I've quoted it often, that God will walk amongst us. He will be our God, and we will be his people. <clears throat> wow. That Ephesians 2, that we are creating a dwelling place for God in the spirit. That we all are being built together for this dwelling place of God in the spirit. But the question is, what does it look like? When God walks amongst us, what does it look like when God dwells in our midst? How many people know that when, that when God comes, he brings all of the nature and the attributes of the kingdom with him? Yeah. That he is the kingdom. Yeah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. And when he comes, transformation comes. Because how many people know that his realm is superior to this realm? Come on, we can say amen to it, but, but there's uh, so much a uh, deeper level that we can really get it. His realm is superior yeah. to this inferior realm. And when his realm finds a place to rest, yeah. it begins to cause this inferior realm to line up with his superior realm. Which is why restorations happen in worship. Yeah. <laughs> in an atmosphere where God can rest. It's why marriages are restored. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. It's, it's why, um, it's why uh, bodies are healed. It's why mental, mental conditions are reversed. And I felt that so strong as Ben was closing. I feel like today, this morning, that God is reversing mental illness in the room. God is reversing mental illness. Why? Because his goodness is chasing us down. <laughs> and we're stopping to say yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. It's why hearts are made new. Families are transformed. Businesses are renewed. Finances are transformed. It, why? Because his superior realm is coming. <laughs> And by his design, he doesn't want to just come for a visit. 
He's not checking in on his way somewhere else. No, he wants to rest and remain. Proverbs 3, we're going to hit lots of uh, scripture today, but Proverbs, sorry, Proverbs 22, 3, which, which Ben referenced. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. You are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. First, how many people know that by the mercy of God, we have all been grafted in yes. to Israel? So we are, we are who he's enthroned in our praise. With natural Israel, obviously very important, but we are grafted in. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> and this word that he is enthroned, it literally, when you study it, it literally means that he builds up or establishes his throne amongst our praise. Or the question I'm always asking, if that's true, and how many people believe the Bible is true? <laughs> I always like throwing that one out there. <laughs> if that's true, the question is, how much praise do we want to give him? How much place do we want to give him to build up his throne? Do we want to give him this much? This much? As much as we can possibly imagine. As much as we can possibly muster up. Because the more we give, the more he comes. The more he comes, the more he transforms. The more he transforms, the more we begin to look like him. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Father. <clears throat> that worship, and some of this is, is repeat. If you've been with us any amount of time, you've heard me say this stuff, and I'm going to dive into some other things. But some of you maybe haven't been. But listen, worship is not a placeholder. Listen, worship is not the thing we do before we do something else. Listen, in the kingdom, worship is the thing we do. And the reality is, is that, that anything of true value in the kingdom that we're doing should be an expression of worship. If you're working in, in the children's ministry, that is an expression of worship unto the Father. That, that I'm up here sharing the word, that is an expression of worship unto the Father. The way husbands love their wives and wives love their husbands should be an expression of worship unto the Father. The way that we teach our kids to love our kids and raise them up should be an expression of worship. Worship, isn't, worship is not a placeholder. And this isn't directed at anyone. This is just for the body of Christ. But if we are enduring worship to get to the message, then we might be more concerned about what man has to say than what God is saying. Come on, worship is the thing that we do. In John chapter 4, if you want to open your Bible to John chapter 4, it's the story of the woman, Jesus encountering the woman at the well. And it's a beautiful story. And Jesus knows all about this woman's life and the number of husbands she's had and and she is obviously struck to the heart. And she says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Brilliant. Well done. <laughs> and but that causes her to go and gather, gather the town. But in this in exchange, she goes and gathers the town so the rest of the town can experience Jesus. Listen, that's what one God-breathed word can do. 
The whole town can experience this, this Savior who has come. But in their exchange, there's this powerful moment. And in verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when true worshipers, someone say true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Listen, God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. Come on. The, the Bible also tells us, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That we, that this tells us that the Father is looking for those who will worship in spirit and truth. How many people know that tells us it's not our idea? Yeah. <laughs> the Father is looking for those who will worship in spirit, but what does it mean to worship in spirit? Well, it says here that God is spirit. So we have to learn how to engage God in his realm, or we're not interacting in worship, we're projecting. But how many people know that worship is meant to be an interaction? It's actually a beautiful, it's meant to be a dance. It's, worship is not meant to be a one-way street. How many people know that he's a good father? <laughs> that worship is an embrace. <laughs> that when, when a hug happens, how many people know it goes both ways? <laughs> That's worship. <laughs> And that understanding alone means that as I give all that I have to God, how many people know that when we give him our rubbish, we get gold in return? But sometimes religion tries to cut off the receiving part. And we come and like, God, here's my garbage, here's my garbage, here's my garbage. And they're like, why am I not transformed? It's because you didn't wait for the gold. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> that we, we must worship in spirit, but uh, the Lord is the spirit, but where the spirit of the Lord is, is what? Freedom. Say it again. There's what? Freedom. freedom. To worship in spirit, it's important that we learn how to move into freedom. I love how Danny, I love what Danny Silk says. If you try to get God in your box, you'll find yourself in there all by yourself. How many, people, how, many, how many people know God is bigger than our box, right? And so we, we mistakenly try to pull God into our box. God, this is how I want to worship. Why aren't you meeting me, God? We're really, to move into freedom, to move into worshiping in the spirit, we need to learn how to get out of our box and get into his. Which is wider, bigger, freer, more vast, more beautiful, more creative, more inventive, more empowering than our box ever could be. We're called to worship in spirit, but we're also called to worship in truth. And we're going to dive into some of this. We're supposed to worship the true living God. Amen? Because if we're, if we're worshiping without truth, it leads to idolatry. 
We're called to worship in spirit and truth. And when that happens, there's a beautiful interaction. The dance, the engagement, the transformation happens. When we worship, things change. Amen? Last night, we had an incredible service here. And Renee preached on the power of the testimony. She invited people to come up and give testimonies of what God did. We had two hours of testimonies last night. Oh, one after another, after another, after another, after another. People, people talking about being delivered from years of meth addiction, being delivered from same-sex attraction, being healed of of radical creative body miracles, like everything you can imagine, marriages being restored, autism being healed, come on. Come on. Our outreach team just saw 12 salvations out on the street. Come on. We've recently, we've recently in this room, we've only been in this room since November. In this room, we've had metal disappear from a lady's ankle. We've had tumors shrink in size. We've had tinnitus disappear from bodies. We've had, we've had uh, uh, um, uh, crushed vertebrae, or um, compacted vertebrae healed. Pain in hips and knees disappeared. Neuropathy leave, arthritis flee. Come on. We've had, we've had business ideas explode that are already bearing massive fruit. Why? Because there's an atmosphere of worship that invites him to come and rest and remain that's being created. But how many people know that God only takes us from glory to glory? That what we're, that what we're touching and tasting now is just scratching the surface. There's more to be had as there's more to behold. <laughs> Worship team, you better get warmed up. I think they're hungry for some more. <laughs> In engaging with the dance. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to jump into the, into the word of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 18. Thank you, Father. There's more. There's more to behold. I forgot. Yesterday morning, uh, I mentioned last night here, yesterday morning I was sharing at a conference down in San Marcos, and the presence of God, we had, they had a beautiful time of worship, which just makes ministry easy. <laughs> I don't know why that felt important for some people to hear. And listen, your business is a ministry. Listen, raising your kids is a ministry. Your marriage is a ministry. And worship makes ministry easy. We had this beautiful time of worship, and I was in worship with the Lord before that. And, 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 I, and, I, and I get up, it's my turn to speak, and God it shows up. He's resting on the room. He's resting and remaining. I, I don't even get on my notes. I'm just like, God's here. Let's just pull on heaven. Words of knowledge start coming. A lady is healed of carpal tunnel. Another lady is healed of a 
car accident in the neck, shoulder area. Another, an, <clears throat> a gentleman is healed of, of hip and, and, and knee pain. And, a, and, and a, a young lady, she's probably, I'm guessing, 19, maybe 20. I give a, a word of knowledge, a specific word of knowledge for um, a severe deviated septum. Not just snoring at night, but there's something severe where it's blocked uh, your breathing. But God, I believe, is bringing restoration to that right now. <clears throat> and, uh, and, a, and a lady in the back starts, a young lady starts waving, God just healed me. And we're like uh, celebrating all these things. <laughs> and we hadn't even started. <laughs> well, let me correct that. We had started because we worshipped. All these miracles are breaking out, and afterwards, the young lady comes to me, and she says, I was the one waving for the, the deviated septum. She's like, but, but what you need to know is I was born with a deformity, and I had a, my no, had a big crook in my nose, and my left nasal has, has always been blocked. I couldn't breathe through it. As soon as you mentioned the word, I could breathe through my left nasal passage. She, She's like, but when I went to the bathroom, my nose is now straight. Look at my nose. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Uh, nobody prayed, but we did worship. <clears throat> Genesis 18. <laughs> they mentioned that already. <clears throat> In the, in the King James, the first time the, the word in English, worship, is used is in reference later, in reference to Abraham taking Isaac up on the mountain to, to sacrifice Isaac. Obviously, God stops him. He just wanted to see where Abraham's heart was. But that, the Hebrew word that is translated worship there is actually used earlier in Genesis 18. And I just want to set this up, Genesis 18 is right after Genesis 17, which that's profound. In, in, <laughs> aren't you glad we... <laughs> the spirit of revelation just came upon me that moment. Aren't you glad we are allowed to have fun in the kingdom? In Genesis 17, all the hecklers are always on the front row. Um, in Genesis 17, it's God... God speaking to Abraham, the, the promise of um, uh, the, the, the generations coming to him and speaking to Sarah that she's going to, to, to bear a son. And Abraham's like, she's too old. And, and, and God releases this promise over them. That is, that is chapter 17. The next chapter starts with this in Genesis 18, verse 1. Then the, the Lord appeared to him, speaking of Abraham, then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, and he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet. Whew. Rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. Now, 
when he says he, listen, it, it starts with the Lord appeared to him. So it's very clear who we're talking about. Who are you talking about? The Lord. The Lord appeared to him and he looks up and he sees three men. The Lord appeared to him in the Trinity. <clears throat> and it, standing below him, three men were standing by him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. And it, and it says, he bowed himself down. That word uh, bowed down is the same word um, that is later translated worship. Shakah in the Hebrew, and it is worship. He bowed himself down to the ground that in response to the appearing of the Lord before him, the drawing near, he ran and he bowed himself down in reverence to the Lord. Now, the, the, the root for the word worship is the conjunction of two words, which is to draw near, <laughs> and are you ready for this? And to kiss. Listen, worship is, worship is meant to be an intimate interaction. <laughs> it's, it's an engagement way more than we maybe allowed ourselves to realize. And, and he bows down in, in uh, intimate reverence uh, at their feet. Now, in verse chapter, sorry, in chapter 17, it says that the Lord appeared uh, to Abraham. Same language. And it says that he fell on his face before them. But that language is different. That language is, in the Hebrew, it's fell on his face. <laughs> the Lord appeared and the Lord appeared and he fell down in fear. But in 18, there's a revelation of the Lord in his fullness, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Abraham now is not responding out of fear. He's responding out of reverence. He runs and falls down at his feet and worships. But listen, there's actually a description of worship in here. It will follow. He bowed himself down to the ground and said, My Lord, if I now have found favor in your sight. How many people know we have found favor in his sight through Jesus Christ? If I found favor in your sight, listen, do not pass by. What are we doing? We're creating a place for him to rest and remain. I will walk amongst you and be your God and you will be my people. <clears throat> do not pass by your servant. Listen, more description of worship. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet. Worship. This is, this is worship. And rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. Listen, what are we bringing when we come to worship? Are we bringing our reverence? Are we coming? Are we drawing near into intimacy? Is, is worship a placeholder? Like, yeah, I'm going to sing along with these songs until we get to the next thing. Or is worship an engagement? Worship to me is that, that we are putting our hand in his hand and he's drawing us onto the dance floor of intimacy. 
And we get wrapped into this embrace because a hug is a two-way endeavor. We get wrapped in this embrace, and guess who's leading the dance? Not us. <laughs> we don't, we're not leading. Jesus is leading. That's what it means to worship in spirit. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and we bring and we wash his feet with our worship, with fresh water and in a morsel of bread, our praise and our adoration, we declare the goodness of the Lord, but in return, he gives us gold for our garbage and diamonds for our coal. Thank you, Jesus. That, that <clears throat> we're called to worship in spirit and truth. The Bible also talks about praise, and praise is a weapon. But I actually want to, I want to talk about praise uh, being a weapon in the kingdom. But first I want to talk about the different forms of praise that the Bible talks about. Are you ready? Yeah. There's, seven, there's seven primary uh, forms of praise. And our English language is, is so limited to bring out the beauty and the fullness of what, of what the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are trying to impart to us through the word. There's seven forms of praise in Hebrew that are all translated in English, just praise. But each of them have a distinct meaning and characteristic. The first, the first definition of, of praise is halal. And it is the most common used form of praise in the Bible. And halal, are you ready for this? It means to boast foolishly. <laughs> to make a show of it. <clears throat> Or also to be clamorously foolish, to boast of. Listen, to get, to get so out of your box, to bring praise to the Lord. In Psalms 22, verse 22, I, we read 22.3 earlier, 22.22, I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will hallel. I will praise, I will boast of your name, I will get clamorously foolish in my boasting. Come on, in worship this morning, we're singing about your goodness is running after me, and people are dancing and twirling and shouting and lifting up their hands, and people are stepping out of their box into hits. But when we're not, when we're not used to this stuff, people are looking at them going, wow, that just looks foolish. But it's actually biblical praise that invites his presence that allows transformation to happen. <clears throat> the next most used is tehillah. It means to praise vocally in song or shouts. That's what we do. Shout his name. Psalms 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. I, I've said this many times. How many people know that the point isn't the gates or the courts? That once we get through his gates with thanksgiving and once we get into his courts with tehillah to praise vocally with song or shouts, the point is that there's someone inside the courts waiting for us. The intimate interaction and engagement. 
Next is zamar. It means to praise with instruments, alone or with voices. This is the worship team bringing and, and, and bringing the presence. How many people know that David would play the harp and demons would flee? <laughs> that's that's Zamar. That is that is I am playing my instrument as a for as an expression of worship, and on that place you come and rest. And where you're resting, demons can't stay. Thank you, Father. Zamar, Psalms 21, 13. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and zamar your power. Next is hallelujah. Has anyone heard of that before? <laughs> hallelujah, which is, is the most commonly understood um, in, in Christian, word in Christian. Hallelujah is so powerful because it's understood in every language. <laughs> I, can, I can preach Jesus to you uh, in, in English, but if you're, we're in China and you only speak Mandarin, you may not understand anything I'm saying, unless the gift of <laughs> translation is there. You may not understand anything I'm saying until I get to hallelujah. And then you understand... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now get this. The root of hallelujah is what we just talked about at first, hallel. To boast or to be clamishly foolish. And hallelujah is, is hallel and jaw, short for, for the Lord, for God. It means, again, to be clamishly foolish for the Lord. But it's often in context, it's used as a statement. Uh, an emphatic statement, and it's used often at the beginning or the end of a psalm or a statement or a song, and basically, halal means to be clamorously foolish, but hallelujah means get ready to halal. Hallelujah. <laughs> or, or it comes at the end, like, did you just hear what they said? Halal. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah to the Lord. Uh, next is Yodah, to lift up. Oh, I love this. To lift up or throw arms upward in praise and surrender. Oh, Father. Oh, we love you, Father. We love you. Why, why are people lifting their hands in worship? Because it is part of biblical praise. Well, it's part of what invites him to come and rest and remain. And <clears throat> worship, again, is to draw near and to kiss. Some of the first artwork I found in Egypt depicting worship is people <laughs> throwing their hands up while blowing kisses. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm about to hallel up here. Can we get the, uh, <laughs> oh man, thank you, Jesus. Team, I'm going to need you soon. You just come up and just get, get ready. Uh, <laughs> whoa, 
Next is todah. It means to sing praises together as one community in harmony. Jahi, my brother, preached an incredible message the other week about the power of agreement. And talked about frequency and sound and how even an army marching in unison across the bridge can actually cause the bridge to crumble and collapse. Because the power of unity and agreement on the sound and frequency and pitch, the right frequency can break glass. Whoa. What happens when we learn how to capture his gaze and we learn how to ta-da, to sing praise together as one community in harmony? Wow, what if, it's, what if it's not glass that we're breaking, but the powers of the enemy and strongholds over individuals, families, cities, and regions? Hallelujah! Oh, come on! Thank you, Jesus. Wow, thank you, Father. The last is... Sabah, and it means to reach out with affection for God, to feel his hold on us. <laughs> Come on. When we're, when we're worshiping, that we have God's invitation, prescription to step into all of these things. Listen, worship is not a placeholder. To reach out with affection for God, to feel his hold on us. It is that embrace. It is the dance floor that he leads. Psalm 63, 3, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall huh, shabah you. Whew, kisses. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We're going to end here in 2 Chronicles 20. If you want to turn there, you can. It's an incredible story, and it's it's uh, King Jehoshaphat as uh, is king in, in Israel, and they are surrounded by many uh, neighboring uh, kingdoms, armies. They they gather together to surround Israel to overthrow and encamp around Israel, and. Jehoshaphat calls all of Israel together, and they come and they stand before the Lord. And I love it. It says that they come and they stand before the Lord, all the men with their wives and their children together. They all come. And they inquire of the Lord, and the Lord, the Lord strengthens them and encourages them, and the prophetic the, the prophetic anointing comes upon a prophet in their midst, and he declares uh, the victory of the Lord, and he, he makes this statement. He says, behold, you're not going to have to fight this battle. How many people love the, the Bethel music song, this is how I fight my battles? How many people know? That's not talking about clubs and pitchforks. It's not talking about swords and axes. It's talking about worship and it says behold you are not going to have to fight this battle and whenever they would inquire of the Lord the 12 tribes and they would say God who 
Are we supposed to send first into the battle? The Lord would always say, Judah is to go first. Judah means praise. <laughs> this is how we fight our battles. This is how we bring transformation over a city. This is how we break, break strongholds over families and regions. Then Chronicles 20, verse 20. So all this is the lead up to this point. So the Lord encourages them, says, yes, go out against the enemies. And so it says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness, the Koa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. You shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. <clears throat> verse 22 now when they began to sing and praise no sorry verse 21 and when he had consulted with the people he appointed those here it is he appointed those who should sing to the lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying praise the lord for his mercy endures forever Amen. listen this is the king of a, an entire people group that's surrounded by multiple adversaries. Does that maybe feel like a season anybody has come out of or been in recently? Multiple adversaries teaming up to attack them. This is, listen, he's got armies at his disposal. Listen, this is not man's wisdom. This is not how we in our own strength go, you know what? I'm going to attack this problem like this. No, you got armies at your disposal. You're like, armies, archers, horsemen, chariot, go get them. That's not what the Lord says. And not how Jehoshaphat responds. He appointed those who should pray, <clears throat> appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever and now when they began to sing and to praise the lord set ambushes or some translation sent confusion into the camp against the people of ammon moab and mount seir who had come against judah and they were defeated for the people listen these are the enemies for the people of ammon and moab stood up against the inhabitants of mount seir and utterly killed and destroyed them Listen, they started singing, and the enemy army started destroying each other. And what's the result? And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So two armies, <laughs> they start singing, and the Lord sends confusion into the enemy's camp. An undefeatable stronghold. How, how am I ever going to over, overpower their strength? Well, if their strength turns on each other. Two armies group up, destroy another army. When that's done, they turn on each other and destroy each other. And the result is this. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, listen, they hadn't even got there yet. That all happened Why they're back here on their way singing and shouting and praising the Lord. 
and he sends the breakthrough out before them. So when Judah finally came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. Someone say, that's my God. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelries, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Insurmountable odds. And God says, yep, just praise. Give me a hallelujah. Give me a shout. Give me some praise. Lift up holy hands. Come into my embrace. Let's lift up praise and shouts to the Lord. And I will send confusion into the enemy's camp. And not only will the insurmountable odds take care of themselves, but there will be spoils left over that take three days to gather up and bring back into the camp of his Lord. Come on. And we are his people. Can someone give a shout of praise? Can someone give a hallelujah to the Lord in our midst this morning? Come on. Uh, thank you, Jesus. We're about to praise the Lord. <laughs> We're about to praise the Lord. We're about to sing praises to his name. We're about to engage with the thing that isn't the placeholder. It's not the thing that we do before the thing. It is the thing that we do. And I believe in this moment, some people are going to break into freedom. Your box is going to fall down. Jesus is referred to as the breach maker. The forerunner or the breach maker, which literally means the sheep gate. They would hem them in, the sheep around a mountain with a rock wall. And in the morning, the breach maker, the shepherd, would kick the rock wall down and all the sheep would flood into freedom, flood into the pastures. Jesus is kicking down some box walls. People are going to step into freedom right now this morning. But before we do that corporately... <laughs> Well, I want to ask you this. If you're here, you can't enter into the embrace without first saying yes to Jesus. You can't enter into the breakthrough without first receiving what he's done for you. You can't be on the dance floor in intimacy until you've put your hand in his hand. You can't hallel, you can't tehila, you can't praise him until you've said yes to him. And we're about to praise together, but God doesn't want any of his children, his sheep left out. Jesus came and paid the price, not for just them, but for you. For you. And the Bible tells us over and over, he will leave the 99 to go after the one. We're going to praise together, but you, he's calling you to praise as part of his family to step into the breakthrough, to receive what he did on the cross so that you can move into this army that can't be defeated in the name of Jesus. But it starts, it simply starts with a yes, Jesus, I want out of my box. I want out of my own control. God, I want out of this realm that I created for myself and my own strength that isn't working and I need to step into your freedom. 
right now in this room the grace of heaven is here and we're going to praise but if there's anyone here that you are not secure in your yes you haven't yet ever said yes to Jesus but you want to because this breakthrough is for you or someone here, you need to reconfirm your yes. You've been having one foot in and one foot out. And you're like, my praise doesn't feel like a weapon. It's because you still got one foot in the box. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand in this place right now. If you just need to say yes to Jesus with your whole heart, because you haven't before, or you need to reaffirm your yes, raise your hand right now. We're going to pray with you. Come on. Thank you. I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on. Raise it high. Come on. Raise it high. I see your hand in the back. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Listen, I want to get out of my own box, my own strength, my own doing. I need a Savior to pull me out of the box that has become a snare, a trap, and into his love and his freedom. Anyone else? Well, right now, if you raise your hand, put your hand on your heart. Oh, put your hand on your heart. Can I get a couple of prayer team people down here real quick? Put your hand on your heart. Everyone, let's pray this together. If you raise your hand, this is your moment. I want you to mean this with your whole heart because when he died on the cross for you, he meant it with his whole being. I want you to say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. I accept your work on the cross. I receive you as my king. Come on, say it out loud. I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my savior. I leave my box of control and sin behind and I step into the freedom and the mercy and the grace that you've provided. Jesus, you are my king. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come on, give him a hallel right now. Give him a hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.